Hello and welcome to the Just In Stride podcast. I'm your host, Justin Pugliese. If you love endurance sports, you've definitely come to the right place. On this show, we'll talk to athletes, coaches, and professionals who can help us reach our true potential. Being a student of distance running for over 10 years and interviewing people in the sport for the last five, I've learned a ton, but there's always more to discover. Everyone has a story, and I know you'll resonate with each of our guests as we embark on this new journey together. Join us at home, on the road, or while you run. Together, we'll have some fun. So follow along on Instagram at JustInStridePod and your favorite podcast platform and prepare to be inspired. Come along for the ride with Just In Stride. This episode is presented by our friends at Exact Nutrition, a tasty and healthy way for you to fuel your body before, during, and after a solid training session. I can't leave the house without a few fruit bars in my pocket and they never make it back home. Exact is offering you 15% off your order when you use the code JUSTINSTRIDE. So head to exactnutrition.com and fuel your goals today. When we think about training for endurance sports, we often consider having a training plan, perhaps a coach, the proper equipment, but nutrition and fueling somehow get lost in the shuffle. In shorter distances, we can get away with being negligent but nutrition becomes increasingly important the further we go. On today's episode of Justin Stride, we dove into the importance of nutrition with elite marathoner and sport dietitian, Rachel Hanna. Rachel is no stranger to running. In fact, she's been doing it since the age of seven. She ran throughout her academic years, receiving a university scholarship and later took up the sport professionally. To complement her career as a pro athlete, she's also a registered dietitian which has not only enabled her to help others, but has given her the knowledge to uncover some of her own deficiencies. Now healthier than ever, Rachel hopes to build on what's been a successful 2023 season. Hey Rachel, welcome to the Justin Stride podcast. Hi Justin, <laughs> nice to be here. Yeah, I, I appreciate you taking the time to come on here and, and talk to us. And um, I always love speaking to, you know, elite athletes and and it's always nice when they're they come from my country too in Canada <laughs> yeah no it's awesome and it's nice to take this time and just talk about what I've learned over the years and just share share with you all those experiences so yeah and the thing that most recently popped up on my feed was you know you want to you want a mar- you know marathon and uh you want to talk, talk about that a little bit and kind of how that went yeah, yeah, for sure. You know, it was great. Um, because usually each year I try to target like spring and a fall race. I find if I do more than about two marathons in a year, it's just a little bit too much of the time I'm trying to run. So there might be one one day where I do more and just more for fun and do them slower. But um, yeah. So I was supposed to do the uh, marathon on October first, um, the Twin Cities Marathon, and. Um, just with timing of it, I wanted to do one before um, my friend was getting married mid-October, so I wasn't able to do the Canadian Championships in Toronto because it was that same weekend. So I had to find something around that time. Um, so this fit well in the schedule. So flew out there with my friend Mark um, to Minnesota, and then we woke up in the morning and they actually canceled the race because of heat, which is really rare. I don't think they've ever canceled this one um, due to temperature. So just really humid, like too much sun and just the temperature overall. So we basically just did a training run and went home. So it was pretty uh, disappointing to, you know, taper, do all that. I've never actually had that happen at a marathon. So, mm-hmm. um, you know, sad for a day, but kind of using that 24 hour rule where it's like, okay, 
can feel sad, but then it's like, okay, move on. What's the next thing? Cause you know, I've had a great build really fit, um, wanted to be able to race. So I was able to find, um, within about a week, another race to do. And a lot of races were awesome. Cause they were like, yeah, we can accept you if you were in this race. Cause they understand like a lot of people missed out on their goal marathon. Um, so I was able to sign up for the Indianapolis monumental marathon. And I knew some Canadians had done it before, like the half distance, but I never actually done that race. Um, but, uh, yeah, I, and I, I convinced Mark to sign up too, cause he, uh, he missed his race and he was really bummed, but I'm glad he did it with me. Cause we did some training sessions together. We were both around the same time. So we actually ran most of the race together. Um, he beat me by about a minute at the end. He picked, uh, he picked it up after about 33 k. Well, actually rather I slowed down and he maintained the same pace, but, <laughs> um, he had a great race and ran like a 12 minute PB. So that was fantastic wow. just for like, wow my training partner, like just to have such a good day. So that made a huge difference. Like just every time, you know, I'd look and see him ahead. I was like, okay, like, I know I'm running a good pace. Like it really helped keep me focused. Um, and in that race too, there was a group running, um, like the 237, um, <clears throat> cause the Olympic trials for the U S women are coming up in February. So a lot of that group was trying to run that pace. So, excuse me, I was running with them until about 10 K. And then I realized I was feeling pretty good. And I knew what the course record was. And I was like, I think if I'm you know, fit on the day and I feel good. Like, I think I can run just under it. So, um, I pulled ahead at that point just cause I knew if I ran 237, the record was 235, like 30 something. So I knew I'd have to go faster through halfway than that. Um, so I was able to take the lead and, um, run with Mark for most of the race. And then, um, it was interesting cause the second place girl was starting to catch me at the end. Cause I did have some slower K's after maybe 32 or 33 K when the marathon starts to really hit hard at that point. <laughs> so you lose focus for a little bit. Um, and then, yeah, she was starting to catch me. And then luckily I was able to like hold off until the end and, uh, in the race and get the course record, but she was pretty close behind me. And, um, she was also under the course record and, um, got like a five minute PV. So that was awesome. Like to mm -hmm. see that just, uh, I didn't actually met her, but it was just nice to like see someone else get a personal best. So Oh yeah. Um, yeah. Overall, just a great experience. And it's just nice on marathons when everything comes together on the day, like, cause you never know how you're going to feel. You can do all the training, you can be fit, but then you just don't feel good that day or you're not able to push yourself. So I was just lucky that I felt good on the day. And yeah. Able to put it together. <laughs> and what was your like target? Cause I know you ran some fast marathons in the past. So leading up to this one, you know, was it to get back to a certain level of fitness? Did you have a number in mind? What's the you know, how do you shape it? So, you know, you can stay motivated. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. I kind of just use, like, I think about my training block and like what paces I was running a lot of my tempos at just to like, kind of know roughly where to like pace at. So if I looked at those averages and I usually add on a few seconds to be like, okay, like if I was doing that in a workout, like, can I hold this for the entire race? So a lot of my workouts were kind of in that, like, you know, three thirty to three forty zone. So very like close within 10 seconds. So I knew I could run like somewhere in there. So um, I thought if I had a really good day, maybe a personal best, but that's not what I was going for. I was just going to like have a strong race and just try to run close to my personal best again. So, um, I was happy with that. I actually thought I was in like around the shape I ran, which sometimes it's mm. hard to understand that. But I think just with years of training, you start to know your body and like where your fitness is at <laughs> come mm -hmm. race day. Yeah. I, and so. the reason I asked that question is because I, I recently ran a half and, you know, my best half was a few years ago. And I was just like, mm -hmm. hmm, can I, can I come at this maybe from a different angle? I'm a couple years older. What can I change in my training? You know, I, I noticed over the years, like maybe my body doesn't feel as strong as it, as it once did. And, and like, can mm -hmm. I make some changes 
to to really feel better and and have a positive just feeling around racing and and to get back mm-hmm. to that point and that for me mm-hmm. like you know that feels like a win you know as a as a great building block moving forward you know yeah yeah for sure you're right it feels like a win and it gives you like motivation when you have a good race and you're like oh yeah like I think I can get back to my PB. Like that's what kind of this race did was I was like, yeah, I think if I do another block, like I think I actually can set a personal best now or whereas like, it's hard when you set a lot of your PBs and then many years go by and you're like, Oh, that felt like it was you know, eight yeah. years ago, which it is like seven years ago. I said it. So it's like, it just feels like it was so long, but now that like I'm getting closer, it gives me more motivation for the next one, which is yeah. nice. <laughs> and you mentioned Mark, like, where did you find Mark and have you been training with him quite some time now? And, you know, 12 minutes and he, you know, sounds like he ran pretty, pretty fast, you know, what's yeah. The, yeah. <clears throat> yeah. We met each other a couple of years ago and, um, he lives, um, in Mississauga. So his name is Mark Chan and he, um, he's been running for a number of years, but he's had like a couple races that just like, well, the weather, like just didn't feel good. Like he was really fit to run like the time that he was fit for, but again, just the race day didn't pan out. So he'd had a number of years where it just didn't go well. And so it was nice, like the day, um, that he was able to put it all together. And like in our training, we were pretty similar. We did a lot of our workouts together. So, um, it's just great when you can find someone who's at a similar, you know, time goal to you and you enjoy doing workouts and can push each other. And it's just like a positive training environment. Mm-hmm. Great. We don't live that close, but we make it work. So we just yeah. eat up every once in a while for our big sessions. So that helps. It just helps the mental, right? Like someone yeah. to push you a little bit and, mm-hmm. you know, and to find your stride and like, just keep you company, you know, like in races, yeah. you have that motivation to hang on and to keep going mm-hmm. but like you know is it hard to like lead a race too like have you been in that situation a lot because you know you mentioned like someone was you know on your heels you know maybe it's I mean for me I like to I prefer I'm not winning races but I prefer to be in that chase mode rather than the hang yeah. on for dear life mode you know yeah I go by like effort a lot in marathons because I find like the reason I took the lead was that I felt really comfortable and I find like I have to get to like 30k feeling like I'm not like pushing the pace before that's how I know it's going to go well because if I feel like I'm like struggling or like running too fast or just like the pace doesn't feel comfortable to me like you're forcing it I guess that's a good way to describe it um but I felt pretty smooth until that point like and then the last 10k felt challenging but that was like it for the whole race like I haven't had a race like that in a while where like Mm -hmm. things are clicking and you just feel like you have a good like um rhythm going so I didn't mind like leading it and I just figured if people catch up to me like that'll help me in those like later stages of the race if I'm slowing down Mm -hmm. um it also helped because we had cyclists next to us and we were going through each mile marker and they were like relaying like okay first place just went through and then I could hear the second place pack how far back they were so as she was getting closer I kind of knew the whole time so I knew like it was actually very motivating to keep me on track because those k's after 30 like that's where you can really slow down a lot in the race because you're tired and it's hard to like stay focused at that point so I think that really helped me knowing like I was like okay I think I can stay in the lead if I just (laughs) string together a few more k yeah so and I like how you mentioned, and just to keep it relatable, because I always find it's, and I try and do this when I have like elites on, because, you know, we have people listening that are all kinds of different levels, you know, and you're mentioning yep. effort base. And I think, you know, that's something I've really tried to hone in in my own training and understand more, especially in a longer distance, like the marathon, where you have time to understand like your own effort and what that mm-hmm. means. And to be patient and all that stuff. Like, I think a lot of what you're saying is kind of in that 
kind of range do, do you really focus on the pace or are you really going off of like hey am i really pushing myself as hard as i can right now like how often do you do those checks when you're when you're going through a marathon let's say yeah i find in the marathon like i try to use like just the people i'm around it really helps if you have someone who you like train with and you know they're a consistent pacer so again having mark there and like running with him i'm like okay he knows what pace we're running so i don't need to check like and even in our training he'd be checking our paces all the time but i'm just like that's not how i train usually like like if i'm setting my workouts with my coach like we never really have a target time we're just like okay this is your intervals like go by this effort and then wherever the pace falls like i'm not taking like every single lap or knowing like each kilometer what i'm doing but i find that works for me because if i focus too much on exact numbers i find it stressful and it doesn't taking into account if you're going up a hill or you're part one part you're going to the wind like how do you adjust for those if exact times like it's fine if you're on a track and like everything's good condition wise but um that's why i like to go by effort and just like perceived effort too and i'm checking throughout like i'll look at like you know what do we go through 5k in and like every once in a while but i find like just learning that over time with training like how hard are you working can you continue this pace like just doing those checks rather than being like oh i was two seconds off the K that I wanted to be like pace wise. So mm-hmm. I think it's important to do that. Mm-hmm. Um, Cause then you're really listening to your body and you're yeah. Trying to run as even as possible. I guess. Yeah. That's the goal. Yeah. And also like what I find is like when you actually re- like looking at the numbers can cause stress in- internally, which can make your you know heart rate spike and you know, like the yeah. normal things in life, like you can have panic yeah. attacks if life's not going right. Just like, oh, yeah in running, you know, like, Oh, I'm not hitting my pace. Like then you stress and then the heart rate goes up and that's totally counterintuitive to what we need to be doing is, is to like really relax. And, and Mm. I find when I relax and I pay attention to my face and my shoulders and, you know, just my, how smooth I am, then those paces come naturally. It's, it's a weird thing, but it works for sure. Yeah. And in the marathon, like you actually, I'm glad you brought that up because you do have to have moments because I have moments of like panic where I'm like, this like your blood sugar is starting to drop and you're like, can I keep this pace up? Like I get a couple of those each race, but like, how do you talk yourself through that? I think it's really important. So for me, it's same thing, like focus on relaxed breathing. Like in this race, I actually tried to be like, yeah, every step you take, like you're getting closer to the finish line versus like how much do I have left? So some of it's like how you actually view the distance and like break it down too um so i find that helpful and then um yeah and i find the like split checking too it can be um challenging from like a running standpoint like with um i guess like how if you think about it there's a physio i worked with a couple years ago and he was saying like if you check it all the time like if it's slower or faster than what you would perceive like you're going to change your stride and you're going to do it really drastically versus like if you just check every once in a while and kind of do those body checks, I think that's a lot better. So, Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. because like you said, your heart rate's going to spike if all of a sudden you pick it up and you surge. And it's like with the marathon distance, you want to try to be so consistent with pacing as possible, just so like you're not um, expending energy like unnecessarily. Right. Yeah. And like you mentioned the hills and stuff, like the half I did, for example, Mm -hmm. within the first 5k, we had like these climbs and then it flattens out like on the, and the end of it, but like, it's impossible to, you just got to go on how you're feeling. And like, mm-hmm. are you giving, are you like not redlining going up these, these Hills? Cause yeah. And you'll have time to catch up like eventually. So, and even more so yeah. in the marathon. So, um, yeah. I know you started like pretty young as a runner. Can you like, just bring us back to the beginning and, you know, where that love for running came from? How are you still doing it now after all these years? You know, like what's, how, how is that all connected? What does that like journey look like? 
Yeah, yeah, for sure. Yeah, I think like my whole identity as a person has been a runner, right? Like when you start running in grade four, it's like, that's your whole life pretty much. Like, Mm -hmm. I don't remember a life without running. So um, yeah, no, we just had a teacher in like elementary school that loved running. And then I just got really competitive because we'd like keep track of our laps and we'd like run all the time. Like it was awesome. I think it really helped me in like school too, like just to be able to focus and sit still. So Mm yeah. yeah, so that was great. And then I joined a, like a club, like SSD. I grew up in Barrie, um, so South Simcoe Dufferin. So I ran with them for a while. And then I was really lucky because like through the track club, like I loved it. I went for the social aspect and obviously I loved running too, but I didn't really take it as serious. Like I was doing a bunch of other sports and um, and then started focusing on it more in like grade 10 and 11. Um, so that was great to see at a variety. Like I'd play soccer and I'd ski, like do downhill skiing and stuff too. Um, so I think that helped not taking it too serious in high school. Um, and then I was lucky I got a scholarship um, to Georgia State University. So I went to uh, ran like it was division one school. So I ran there for five years. Um, I had a year of like injury. So I got an extra year of eligibility. Um, but that was great. Like my coaches um, through the track club, like helped recruit me. And then I basically improved as I got there. Like, I don't think I was that fast to begin with, but they're like, she'll work really hard. <laughs> like, Because <laughs> I do. I know how to work hard and like improve over time. So um, so that was great just being able to, to do that. And then, um, I took a bit of time off, like when I did my dietetic internship, just cause I was really stressed and had injuries and just like, I took about a year where I didn't run as much. So, um, but that was probably the hardest year of my life. Like just mental health wise, not sleeping good, like anxiety levels high. Like, I think that made me realize like I need running in my life to like help me focus and help me be in a better mood. Like it just helps so much. So I think mm-hmm. that year made me realize how much I need it. Um, and then I missed like competing at that point. So I got kind of back into it after I finished my internship and moved back to Canada. Um, mm. And then it took like a year or two just to get faster again. Like, again, you just have to build back and be super consistent. So, um, yeah, I was doing shorter stuff for a few years. And then I got more into like the marathon distance in 2015. So that was kind of my progression. Have a year or two where I was slower and then <laughs> try to get <laughs> build back up again. Yeah. I mean, normally in Canada, when you're four years old, it's uh, the first thing on your feet is some skates, you know, like, so yeah. <laughs> it's, it's a surprise that yeah. you started that early, like running, you know, track and stuff like that. Yeah. But, it was definitely the teacher in the track club. Like that made a huge difference, right? Like people around you encouraging you to run, like that was great. So, But it's, is it common yeah. where in, in that area or that school? Like I have a lot of family in Ontario, but um, yeah. Uh, to have track programs at, at such a young age because I mean, it wasn't available for me growing up you know not really like our track club's been around for a while the one I was at in Barrie but um no it was probably just like that teacher I don't think a lot of teachers were doing that <laughs> I think it was just like I was in a good class at the right time and then it like I think I realized like it helped me so much in like school like just with like attention issues like I think yeah. I use exercises like a way to like really really help me with that because I noticed like even in my day-to-day I'm like when I go and run like in that period like following it that's my best time to like do work or if I have to really focus like I just think that helped me keep doing it because I realized like how much better I feel when I'm active mm-hmm. versus like, so parent, parents day. listening just send your kids for a run after dinner like yeah. <laughs> Yeah, they can't sit still and they're not listening. (laughs) I I wish I had that structure, you know, like I'm always envious of like kids that had that, um, you know, growing up through school, like I I started skating, like playing hockey at 12. Like my parents were just like, well, if you like it, we'll put you in, you know, no one like was like, hey, why don't you go try this or whatever. But, you know, where you can like build that speed, like at a young age, like 
practicing technique and stuff, I think it mm-hmm. pays off like later on and you're seeing that, see that a bit now, mm-hmm. but you see it a lot, right? Um, mm-hmm. As you grow up, like, were you always competitive, would you say, or, you know, you did it, you said you did it for social aspect, but, it, you know, could you find a good balance? Did you always have a positive relationship with the sport? Yeah, I'd say like, I'm definitely competitive. Cause I think back to even when I started, like I was trying to like compete with the guys and have the most laps. Like that is very competitive, even at a young age to be like, I want to be top on that leaderboard, which is like, we're just counting laps on a track. Like this has nothing to do with anything. Mm-hmm. So, um, definitely competitive. And then, yeah, the social stuff, like I think in high school, just cause you're balancing out with everything else. Like, I think I just didn't put pressure on myself. I was just like, Oh, my friends are practice. I enjoy doing this, but I didn't have like specific time goals and stuff like that. And I think I've only been competitive since I've like taken more of like the road racing and stuff like that, where it's like, you're trying to get um, improvements. Um, and you were saying, was there ever like a, you said, is there ever a negative? Maybe just that like, um, about, like a, when you've done it for so long. Like, has it yeah. always been a positive uh, relationship that you've had with it? Um, for the most part, I'd say the majority of the time positive. The only time I would say there was negatives because there's definitely highs and lows with running too. Like if you go through, um, I would think like periods of injury, like that was definitely the negative side of it of like when, you know, I had really awesome years, like 2014 to like 2016, 2017. And then I got a number of different bone injuries. And if I look back, I'm like, I got like, you know, five different stress fractures within like three years. That's a lot for like injury wise. So that was definitely the hardest, which was like, Cause I'd have to take eight weeks off and recover and just, um, yeah, that was definitely challenging. But when I look back, like the negative part of it was just, um, definitely like experience red. So relative energy deficiency in sport. And now that I'm working in the area, like going through that has taught me like just lessons that like I can teach other younger people when I'm helping teenagers and just people who are younger and be like, you know, don't do what I did. Like, it's like, it it teaches you such valuable lessons. Cause mm-hmm. I think I got to a point where I was just like, yeah, super competitive, but I just got a bit too lean for what my body type is. So it's like learning like how to fuel yourself properly. Cause if you start comparing to other, you know, body types and people who are leaner and it's like, but if that's not how your body's made, like you're going to develop like low energy availability. So I definitely had a number of years, like with experiencing reds. And so um, that's definitely where like the bone density got affected. And I think I could have prevented a lot of those injuries because I really feel like it was more of a, a fueling thing rather than like an overtraining type thing. Um, so figuring out that part of it, um, that helped tremendously. Like I wouldn't be running now still if I didn't like gain a few pounds and like just make sure I'm eating more. Like that really came down to um, the core issue of it for sure was under fueling. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah. And I think just like studying sports nutrition, like it kind of fell in part with like when I started to look at sports nutrition more, that's when I started to like make those changes. Cause I was like, wait a second, like I'm not getting enough carbs. Like I need to increase on my high intensity days and my long days. So, um, fixing that's allowed me to still compete at this age. Like, cause otherwise I'd be just getting chronically injured if I stayed mm-hmm. like just too lean for my body type for sure. So I had but to like, does- accept, you know, gaining weight and just like, and then your body gets used to having a bit more muscle and just like running at a heavier weight than like when you compare yourself to personal best, it's like that wasn't sustainable and not healthy either. So, because mm-hmm. because I guess people associate like light with fast, you know, maybe. Um, yep. But I don't, I, you know, you see some athletes and their before and afters and, uh, you know, even just put, like putting on muscle, like it looks different. The body type looks different but then they're running the same or faster than they were before. So, and then you see the opposite too, with like super lean athletes, but like everybody's different, like you're saying, Mm -hmm. um, 
you mentioned that you were able to like identify as you were working in the space also do you think like it's easy for people to identify if if they're not like how do what are the warning signs would you say for someone who's not working in the space just like a runner just someone doing activity and also is it can it be common for everyday runners not just elites yeah, for sure. And I think like, it's really important to like have like open conversations and again, like just learning from each other. Like that's where it's good to just be like, yeah, like I did this, like, yeah, I should have, you know, I'm working this profession. Like there was things, but when you're like competing at a high level, sometimes you forget that when you're like, oh, I'm accomplishing all this stuff. But then like the negatives come with, again, the injury side of it. Um, and even the mental health side, like you can only like be at that level for so long. And then there's definitely a, a fallout period. So yeah, a lot of athletes are at risk for low energy availability or red S. Um, they're starting to like, there's a lot more like research on it now and people are talking about it more now, which is really helpful. And even in group discussions, like U Sports, for example, last weekend, they had a whole like panel and they had a dietitian in London talking about it and they had group and athletes like, and I just heard feedback from other coaches and they said it was awesome. So I think like people are talking about it more, but you have to have those sessions where you hear about that from a professional or maybe athletes that went through it to be like, oh, wait a second. Like there are things I need to check day to day. So you know, how is my mood? Like, is that being fluctuated? Because that's a big sign of like fueling properly is like your day-to-day -day mood. How are you feeling? Um, your rate of like perceived exertion. So if that starts to get really hard on like easy days or workouts are just feeling really awful, like you obviously want to look at your training volume and adjustments there, but it usually is a carbon take thing too. Um, related to that, if things start to feel a lot harder. Um, so those are two things. And then for like women, just looking out for like, if they're losing their period, that's a sign like that they're not getting enough energy intake. Um, for men, it's low testosterone. So like men and women can both have this um, low energy availability. So it's good to look for like some of those signs. Um, sometimes it's weight loss, but not always. Like some people can be weight stable and still be in a period where they're not eating enough, um, especially if they're like not eating a lot in the day and then eating like too much later on in the day, like sort of within day energy balance matters too. Um, mm -hmm. just to get enough carbs and spread out throughout the day. So, um, yeah, and it's not just elite athletes, like anybody can experience it. So if you're, you know, especially if you're trying to lose weight and like be a certain body composition like that, then you're at risk for not eating enough because you're trying to be too restrictive. So, mm -hmm. yeah. Yeah. And it, it like, and that comes, I think that comes naturally just the more running you're doing or more activity that you're doing, I think, right. Like, I mean, diet's a big part of it, certainly, but like. If you're doing it right, if you're running easy on your easy days, you're like kind of going through those fat burning systems and you should lose weight naturally. So it's like, I don't know, isn't it like this fine line between like what you're eating and how much you're training? And like, I know when I get like in these, when, the more you increase your volume, the more hungry I am anyways. So um, yeah, that's probably just because my body needs it more. Mm hmm yep no you're right and like and there's also like yeah the more you're doing like the more you're going to be at risk for low energy because it's like your body just can't keep up with like how much you're burning so that's definitely like the most at risk athletes are typically endurance athletes just because you're burning a lot more energy but you know sprinters and other like team sports athletes can still experience this especially if they're just under fueling and like trying to be at a certain body composition um and you made a good point about appetite like i find um and this is what i go through with people when i meet with them one-on-one -on -one. like i'll often ask when i'm going through like their typical day i'll be like you know with training does it sometimes reduce your appetite levels after and some people will say yes and some will say no so i think like exercise can actually reduce appetite acutely and so that's where like those athletes are more at risk for under fueling because if they're just listening to their body and being like oh i'll just eat until i'm like you know not hungry but it's like sometimes you have to force yourself as part of your training plan to like eat enough afterwards if you're 
appetite drops after like long sessions. So some people get that where they're not like starving after. So not everybody, mm-hmm. but some people do. So that's where like yeah. you do want to stick to it as part of like planned eating with your recovery nutrition too. Um, just because I find like intuitive eating doesn't really, I think, apply that much to athletes. You have to always follow, follow a plan and look at like, okay, is it a workout day or is it a long run day? And you have to adjust your carbs and total energy accordingly too. Because you can't mm-hmm. always listen to your body cues on like strenuous days. So that's what I, I've learned over time. The <laughs> so, It's the workout, yeah. like workouts for me, I can eat after. It's the race, like after a marathon, I can't like, mm-hmm. I my brain's like, yeah, you're hungry. But then mm-hmm. when I go and try to eat it, like I have to eat like super slow. <laughs> like, yeah. I like my mind can eat yeah. way more than my actual body can. <laughs> like, yeah, for sure. Uh, and that's I, where like liquid calories can be helpful, like smoothies and like chocolate milk and like stuff like that. I'll always have after marathons because I know I won't be able to like eat very much. So I'm like, okay, at least if I can drink some nutrition, that's helpful. But that's often what I recommend for like low appetite too. So like, okay. Or liquid meal replacement stuff that can be helpful. Okay. Yeah. yeah. So maybe the beer is just to go right. <laughs> yeah, beer might make you feel worse. It's gonna give you yeah. calories, but oh, you man. might feel worse after. <laughs> like when I did, I did Berlin like last year, and then we went for yeah. like burger fries. Like I like like I said, you know, like that's just mm-hmm. what I wanted. But then I tried yeah. to stomach, and I just I was like so nauseous after. <laughs> like I had to lie yeah. down right away. It was yeah. bad. Yeah, because intensity, like, it can just throw off your digestion, right? And then especially when you're taking in, like, so much carbs, it's, like, those simple sugars can really just make you feel off. So, it's like, it can take a while before you feel fine again. So. Out of whack. Did, um just, like, on the competitive side, did, did you believe, you know, because you start, you know, doing it professionally, like, did you believe that was an avenue for you? Did someone, a coach, say, like, hey, I think you have potential here, you know, when you've, I think, again, when you do it for so long, maybe you, find, you fall into a rhythm, you know, at a certain point, things need to to change in order to take the next step. Mm-hmm. Um, but like, is there someone that, that stands out in your mind that said like, hey, I think you got something here, you know? Yeah, like I think like post-collegially, like that was great to be able to like go to school and a scholarship and like I did improve over time, but then like taking that next step of being like, okay, do I still pursue this as like, I wouldn't say a career, but it is part of my like career, I would say, because I definitely would be able to work more hours if I wasn't like training as much. But um, luckily, because I've been so passionate about it, I've been able to like combine like, you know, my running and sports nutrition, like I'm kind of working in the same area, which is like, to me, fantastic. Like I always wanted to work in sports nutrition. So I think that natural progression happened also for like a career standpoint, but that's not obviously the only reason I do it. But um, yeah, I guess when I was starting to get faster, like 20, I guess it was like 2014. Um, My partner at the time, Dave, like we, um, he works for New Balance still. And so like New Balance started to like, you know, give me sponsorship money and like help me with like product. And so like, I have been sponsored by them for about 10 years now. So I think that really wow. helped with like the post-collegiate, even just support of it when I was trying to get my career started and just didn't have very much money. Like it was very, very helpful to, you know, have shoes and have clothing and just have that brand support there. So like, that was a very nice like transition and just his support and like with the company too, like that really helped to be like, yeah, like I think you can race at a competitive level. And then the road scene, like Canada running series. So like Alan Brooks, like having all their races where, you know, you had those lined up and like, he's really great at like promoting athletes and just getting people excited about the sport. So I feel like a combination of like the New Balance support, Dave support, and then like Canada running series that really helped for me to get mm-hmm. more into road running. Cause I think it just became like a community event at that point. And then obviously the competitive side of when you're setting PBs and getting faster, like that was exciting. Um, and in 2016 too, like I was closer to the Olympic standard, like I was about two, 
two and a half minutes off in my marathon PB. So like that seemed within reach. Like I was trying to go for it for one of my marathons at that point. So now the stairs a lot faster, but still at that point it was like, Oh, maybe I can do this. Like that was the goal for a little bit. Like in 2016, I was like, yeah, maybe I could go like to the Olympics for the marathon. So I think that really helped, but those years, like definitely all that stuff and that support really helped made a difference. So, mm-hmm. yeah. Is that still on the table for you? Like, you know, that's like you said, that standard has dropped dramatically. Like, and over the years, I've had the privilege of mm-hmm. talking to so many of the like female elites, especially uh, Krista, Tasha, Rachel, um, mm-hmm. to name, you know, like, and it's been really exciting for the sport. And, you know, like you've seen it, you know, you've been in it for so long, you've seen it evolve, you know, um, mm-hmm. is that still something that you want to achieve? Like, do these, do these times motivate you to, to, to try and achieve what, what, you know, your peers have? Yeah, no, I think that's great. Cause like I've been running against, you know, Natasha and Rachel and like all those ladies for like 10 years now, like being on like world cross country teams together. And like, it's just so nice yeah. to see, like, I think like even seeing like Krista and Lanny and like, you know, um, the women now like Natasha and Melindy, like setting, you know, Canadian records, like just in their forties. Like, I think that that for sure motivates me. Cause I'm like, okay, like I'm still, you know, within that age range, like we're all like not close to each other, but like I used to race against them so much and like be within like similar times at least for like 10k or cross country so i'm like okay if i can like you know string back to back training and just get a little bit faster so um yeah be great it's just the standards a lot faster now so i think i would just have to see like next year how it goes and if i can get like closer like get under 230 then i could start thinking about it but Mm -hmm. yeah it's just uh yeah it's challenging to think about so but even just making another national team i think would be awesome like if i could make another um canadian team i think that'd be awesome because it has been a number of years since i've done yeah yeah you raised the pan am right like um in what was like your second marathon and you you had a great result and you know yeah 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 that was great um yeah. Cause I would have done, yeah, my first one. And then, yeah, all within that year, I did like three merit. Like it was just like, okay, now you're a marathoner. Like, let's just, <laughs> let's do this. Like, yeah. cause obviously I had some ability there of like, um, but it was interesting. I was doing a lot of like 10 K training, but then I would throw in long runs. So like I was doing a lot less mileage. So it's always good to like, think back and be like, okay, like, you know, I'm getting closer now with my time at least, but, um, there's still lots of stuff like every race I reflect on. I'm like, okay, that was great. But like, what else can I do to get, like, we're talking about that next level of like, you know, sub two thirty and getting closer to those like national team standards. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. There's a lot of stuff I can do, like work on speed, keep up my strength training. Like there's little things that I definitely can do to like get back there. So. Mm-hmm. Cause it's hard, healthy. right? Like when you're at that level to, you know, it's when you first start out, you know, it's easy to make those big gains, right? Mm-hmm. But then once you're like at a once you hit that like big level, well then it's harder to drop those you know one minute at a time or like get those mm-hmm. big blocks those big chunks cut off right. So it takes I think all the you got to look at all aspects and how you can tweak. You know you don't want to change everything the formula, but you know can you stay consistent in all those things right? Yeah, yeah, for sure. And we've kind of learned like each last build because I think like it just takes a while with like, you know, COVID having race breaks and then getting back into the marathon again. Like for me, it takes me a lot just to get back into that pace mode. But now like I'm like, okay, like I after the last race, I'm like, okay, can I improve you? Like like we're talking about three to five seconds per K, like in a marathon, that's minutes. So I'm like, okay, I think I can do that now based on the last race but here's what I have to do. So I do need to work on like my top end speed because I find like I get into a certain pace where I'm like, 
if you told me to go run a kilometer like all out it wouldn't be that different from like my 10k pace so i know that's yeah. kind of a problem so um yeah coach says i need to work on speed so i need to get on the track more and just do things that are like uncomfortable basically like at that threshold like shorter faster stuff like i actually think that's going to help my marathon just because i've done so many years of like so much mileage and so many long runs that like i actually think that's the thing i need to work on the most is like mm -hmm. the speed part of it so those fast twitch like muscles mm -hmm. like 200s 400s kind of yeah thing. just the fast stuff and i'm like and i'm to blame because like i hate running on the track now like i used to like it but like i don't know i just find it so hard I, maybe it's because i used to have a big group to train with or like people to chase i find like unless i have people to train with i find the track the hardest like i can go on the road and run on my own but when you're on a track and you're trying to like be super uncomfortable i think you need people to like run with for that so yeah is yeah. is where you live now like a good place for training would you say um for like road running and trails and stuff it's great um track wise not so much like we don't have like a rubber track here so like i have to drive about a half an hour to like find one but so it's not too bad um i did like one or two sessions this, this build on that track so so again i could do more track sessions i just like was yeah. very reluctant to do them um and then when i'm in guelph like i work in guelph about twice a week so like i could use the track or not twice a week twice a month um, I could use a track there too, for sure. So when I'm like in other areas and, and that's where it's easier to meet up with people. So I live like, I don't live near that many people. So it's harder to like find people to run with. So, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. yeah. So when do you, and when do you work on that speed? Like at what point in your build do you do that? Like, is it, um, is it throughout? Is it like beginning? Like how, how do you kind of, cause we're kind of heading into like an off season. Yeah. Time. What does that look like for you too? You know? Yeah, for sure. Just because I recovered well from my race, like I took some downtime, but now I'm like focusing more on like 10k stuff and like trying to do some faster workouts to get ready for um, I'm gonna do the black toe 10k December 3rd. So mm. um, but I kind of use this November time period to like work on shorter, faster stuff and just drop the mileage. So and then I'll take another like little mini break. But um, my season was a bit weird because my race got delayed. So we just had to like, yeah, figure it out from there. Um, but yeah, the speed stuff. Um, I do like throughout, like I, this build we did, like, uh, we'd kind of drop the volume on my one midweek workout. And then we did like almost two sessions where I do another one that wasn't more than like seven K of volume, but it was faster stuff. So I did actually try to incorporate that in this last build. So I would like to do it throughout the marathon build too, as well. So, yeah. okay. What's your, yeah. and what's your most hated workout and what do you, which one do you love the most? Would you say? Um, I really don't like hills, but I need to get better at them. I don't know why I just find them. I've always found them hard. And like, and if I'm not running them hard, I have this like thing where I don't think I can race them hard in races, but it's like, that could be more of like a mindset. But I think if you're strong, like again, in the weight room and like generally strongly, you should be okay on hills. But yeah, I find hills the hardest and then track stuff, like anything where I'm like running really hard and have a lot of break. Like, I just don't like those workouts because they hurt more. Like, yeah i don't know if i'm just impatient and like standing around like i don't know it's like probably just that side of it too. um yeah you yeah. mentioned the strength stuff too like you're so you're going to the gym like twice a week three times a week kind of thing or, or what, you know uh yeah i have stuff actually at my home that i use like i okay. will use a gym if like i lose motivation or i need in the winter just to get out but um we have everything i need here which is great so um, or I could use like the Guelph gym too, but yeah, I typically, this build I did twice a week consistently. I don't think I'd go much over that. Maybe we'll do one more day of like just custom, you know, jumping drills or just stuff like that. So that's another thing we want to like incorporate in just stuff. That's like 
power and just things that you lose when you're doing marathon training. So mm-hmm. it's just finding that fine line of like doing enough, but then not also overloading your muscles to that point. So yeah, mm-hmm. but so I find twice a-, a week, a good balance for that. Yeah. I even, you know, I'm doing stuff at home too, but like, yeah, it's like, I felt like I mentioned earlier, like feeling strong during a race, you know, like that's such a good, good feeling and the strength mm-hmm. work definitely helped with that, you know, mm-hmm. um, that, and just like running easier on my easy days. You know, I see so many people just like zooming by every day. I'm like, is it like, is everyone working out every day? Like what's going on? <laughs> you know? Yeah. Why are we racing? Why yeah, are we it's racing? a big issue. Yeah, no, you have to like, and I find that's huge. Like I have to run slower in my easy days. Otherwise, like it is too hard on your muscles. I think like, just if you think about the speed, even if it's like 20 seconds per K, like that's still more loading on your body. And um, yeah, so I think like, that's a message too for your runners, like slow down on your easy days. Yeah, Like, totally. I don't know if like Strava is the problem or like, we're just, we're sharing too much. Like, I don't know if that's the issue, but yeah, it's yeah. definitely, that's one thing I've learned. I wouldn't be probably running now if I ran my easy stuff too fast. So if you, yeah. if you could put like a number on it, like, uh, you know, let's say marathon race pace versus your easy pace, like how much of a gap is it? How much of a gap? Yeah. So my marathon, my last one, like, well, it's the same. I think it was like 339 per K. Yeah. And then if I look at my average pace on easy runs, like I probably average around five minutes. Some days it'll be yeah. slower, but okay. So at least go. a minute, 20 to a minute. I'm like, I'm on like a, minute, slower. a yeah. mission now to like voice this to people, like to yeah. really like make them understand. Like I, and I'm maybe people will get sick of it because I'll keep asking endurance athletes like what yeah. easy is because <laughs> yeah. i really think it's it's the secret you know be, the coaches say it and you read it in books and the 80 20 mm-hmm. rule and all this stuff like like you want to know how to get faster just like really just the volume you're doing just run it easier you know and and yeah. so like i shouldn't be running five minute pace because i'm not running a 330 you know per k marathon so that's just like if i end up in like a six or 545 mm-hmm. or whatever you know i mm-hmm. and again if we're talking about effort you know, mm-hmm. I, I call someone on the phone if, if I can talk to them while I'm running. Well, that's a good, a good. Indicator. Yeah, yeah, for sure. And that's probably like the average of some days I go slower or if like I'm running with someone else, like and just catching up, like again, a social part. I'm like, I'm happy to go even slower than that because I usually feel better the next day. So sometimes even when I run with someone, I think even I could go slower some of those days too. Like, mm-hmm. I think it could be and not be um like too bad from a training standpoint. So especially after like a big workout or if you have something the next day, like that's where you have to go even easier. So, right. Yeah. Where do you rank like all the components of what makes a good endurance athlete, like um, recovery, strength, you know, volume, nutrition, you know, that's a big Mm -hmm. one. I want to like dive in maybe a little bit more into the nutrition because I think, Mm -hmm. you know, you're here. So um, more of a specialist than I've had. So. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Yeah, I think all those things like yeah, nutrition, recovery, like just figuring out like your pace for your easy days, how to go about your hard training um, and not overdoing it too. So you're just like you're finding that balance of like stimulus and working hard and then also recovering from it. Um, I think sleep like that's a huge one, too. Um, I was talking with um, Ben from Iron a couple weeks ago. He's doing an article and I talked so much about that because I was like, he's like, what do you think's been different the last few years? And I was like, I just sleep more because I think like where I live is quieter and there's not as much to do. So it's like, <laughs> all right, I'm going to go to bed an hour earlier because like I don't have as many things to do. But it's like such a simple thing. But I'm like, now if I don't sleep enough, I feel awful. Like it's just like your body yeah. gets used to feeling good and you're like, okay, sleep is huge. <laughs> so, yeah. Yeah. It's something we don't do enough, you know, like. Mm-hmm. stay up late watch netflix or whatever but like that extra hour and what's good like what's enough sleep you know 
Like I've heard it's mm-hmm. like between seven, you know, is it seven and eight or seven and nine hours of sleep? Um, I think in that range. Yeah. It depends on someone's age, like how like younger people need more sleep. But um, yeah, I think for like some of my age, like in that range, usually seven would be the low end, but like eight or nine, I usually sleep a little bit more on weekends if I can. But yeah, I think in that range is great for sure. Yeah. And that's going to help, you know, with the body feeling good the next day and like combined Mm -hmm. with easy running and, you know, Mm -hmm. eating well too. So what do you find like the biggest challenges with like diets and with just nutrition in general? Yeah, I think um, the biggest challenge is like finding like the diet that works for you that's not going to like, because I think a lot of diets like they just seem really fancy and you're like, oh, I'll try that because like someone else is doing this or you might read something online where it's like, oh, maybe I'll try low carb. Like there's just so many different like quick fixes out there, but it's like really the best diet is like the most boring one. If you think about it, it's like, okay, you're eating consistently, you're getting enough, you know, healthy carbs, good healthy fats, enough like protein spread throughout the day. So, um, and just being so consistent with that as, as endurance athletes, cause it's fine if you miss some meals or you skip stuff, if you're not training all the time, but as soon as you have high training volume, it's like, you can't afford to have days that are too low. Cause that's where your body, it just puts more risk on your muscles if you're under fueling and just the recovery system too. So I think just like keeping as consistent you can with getting enough carbs. I see that as being the lowest thing for like endurance athletes. Like usually they're fine getting a protein. Usually fats are fine. Usually it's just the carb intake. I look at the most with people to figure out, okay, are you getting enough before workouts, after workouts, during, like, I really look at that time period, um, surrounding training, like just to make sure carbon take is high enough. Um, and a lot of research shows that too, that carbon take can be low for some athletes. So mm-hmm. why do you think enough. that is, you think, do you think it has something to do with like the maybe how people feel about carbs versus like weight let's say or you know because yep. you know people are like oh i don't eat bread i don't eat pasta like I, that's i mean mm-hmm. i eat tons of that you know like mm-hmm. you might say it's because of my italian heritage but you yeah. know like i just love this stuff and i know it's mm-hmm. few good fuel you know so yeah yeah you know i think you you uh, made a good point there like i think a lot of it is like yeah have to do with weight and just energy and they associate that with like weight gain but it's like no that's your fuel and and yeah like for sure there's certain times a year that like you can go lower on that but it really depends on your training because if you're working at like high intensity or long duration like your body needs carbs for energy source so that's where you're gonna like burn through that more than fats so that's where um like you said having breads and pasta and making that a staple in your diet is super important um, the only time I would cut back on that is if someone is trying, like say they gained a bunch of weight in between seasons, they need to lower it a bit, then it really is just the calorie balance. So it's not that you have to cut carbs out. It's just like, you have to create a calorie deficit to lose weight, but you want to mm-hmm. do it across all different foods, not just pick one and be like, Oh, I'm going to lower that. Um, and I think sometimes too, for athletes, like if they're eating, um, say even just fats a little bit too high, like say maybe a bit too much oil or just using too many, like nuts or seeds like if you're eating too much of that it can make you feel very full because fat provides like feelings of fullness so sometimes i'll tweak that a little bit with athletes if i see oh it's like a little bit too high let's try to add more carbs in instead um so sometimes that can be the issue if fat intakes a bit too high than what you need um Mm -hmm. just from like a training standpoint so okay yeah looking at that can be helpful so because there's only so much you can eat at one meal and if you're getting too much fat you're going to feel too full and then it's hard to get enough like carbs and protein too so that can be one part of it do you find like a lot of your clients are endurance athletes because you you are an endurance athlete or what what who do you cater to? Yeah, no, I talk most most of my stuff is endurance runners, so like um mostly runners, some cyclists, some triathletes too. Um, and then I get to see a lot of different sports through um like the University of Guelph. I worked there since 2018, so I've got to work with like sprinters and like 
you know, pole vaulters and throwers and stuff. So that's been really cool to see different sports, um, hockey, football, um, rowing. I actually work with a lot of rowers too, because they're, they still have weight categories. So I try to help them like lose weight in a safe way. And then I actually was just talking to someone yesterday and I was like, can you gain weight now that you're in the off season? So you don't have to like be as like stuck to the scale. Cause I even said to her, I'm like, this is how you develop like disordered eating is like having to be at a certain weight and constantly watching what you're eating. So, um, yeah, so I see a number of different like athletes through that. Um, and I'm at McMaster now too. So I do get different, um, athletes through that Avenue. So it's a lot of it as a university aged, um, athletes, but I learned a lot from them. So that helps me for sure. Yeah. And what about fueling during activity? You know, we're talking a lot about fueling before, after balanced meals and getting the right caloric intake. But like, what about uh, fueling during activity? Like, when's a good time to practice that? How do you know like what like what works for you and and those kind of things? Yeah, for sure. Yeah, it becomes like really important when you're doing like longer sessions. So say, for example, you're going above like 80, 90 minutes, like you're starting to do longer duration stuff. Because usually if you eat enough, your body can store enough carbohydrates. Um, But if you're doing high intensity stuff, like even um, after like an hour of high intensity, you can start to already use up a lot of your stored carbs. That's where you want to start fueling if you're going above that distance. Um, and then for carbs per hour, like it really depends how long you're training for, but the range is like, if you're going up to like two hours or so, like 30 to 60 grams of carbs an hour. And then if you're above two and a half hours, like you're going up to almost 90 grams, whereas actually some athletes are trying to go even higher than that. So say like Ironman athletes or cyclists, like, um, I think it was like the Tour de France, they were saying they're above hundred grams of carbs or like even like at 120, like just the carb rates have gone up really high. So yeah. um, I often find usually athletes are doing stuff in practice and then the research follows afterwards. So it's like athletes have been doing this for a while, but now the research is showing, oh, we actually can go above, you know, 90 grams of carbs an hour. But um, yeah, I think just with the introduction of different, like there's so many different like sports products and fuels and mixing and matching different types of carbs. Um, that's really helped athletes like be able to get to that next level of carb intake, which is the different products available now. Which mm-hmm. is great. Well, just like the sports of all, like the science behind all this stuff. And I find it's, mm-hmm. it's something we don't know enough about. I think it's generally, everyone's interested in like, how do I get faster? And how do I like, what, what do I have to do in the training? <laughs> but they're not like, no one's like looking. I, I think it's something that's overlooked. For sure. Yeah. And like, even just like, cause you want to write it out and that's where I think it's helpful to like have someone to be like, okay, like what, what's your plan? And you're like, you almost want to start your fueling strategy. And I view it more as a fueling strategy versus a hydration one. Cause first and foremost, like how can you get to the right amount of carbs for you? Like, let's focus in on that. Cause that's the most important from like an energy depletion standpoint. Cause again, your body can only store so much glycogen for a period of time. Um, so figuring that out in advance and like, um, for at least for marathon, for example, like you want to start, like if you're in that eight to 12 weeks from your marathon, you actually want to start to be like, okay, where are my long runs? And can I practice with like almost a higher amount of carbs than what you're going to race with? Like some research even suggests doing that, um, just to train your gut to tolerate high amounts of carbs. So you do mm-hmm. want to think about it in that training block. Um, mm-hmm. Asker Juke and Droop, I listened to a marathon, um, uh, it was like a webinar, like maybe about a month ago, he's got mysportscience.com. So that's a really great website. I refer a lot of athletes to that cause he's just a leader in sports nutrition and he's made a lot of the carb recommendations, um, based on his research. And so, um, that's what he was suggesting this webinar. Cause someone was asking like, when do you start? And like, and I already kind of do this in training, but he was even suggesting, you know, if you're targeting 90 grams of carbs, like go even higher in that time period, like while you're in like your biggest training sessions, like he was suggesting going even higher just to like 
again, I think see how much your body can tolerate without mm. having GI issues because that's um yeah yeah usually just usually the limiting factor of how much carbs we can digest is just like how much your stomach's gonna empty and are we gonna have to stop and go to the bathroom like all those things that can happen especially with running just how hard it is and like how much has that changed for you like over the years you must like see like just in terms of like product availability just like what you're able to use I'm sure like I don't know what there would have been like these gels and stuff back in the day mm-hmm. coffee flavor yeah. and stuff you know? <laughs> yeah for sure there's usually like i remember like an apple flavored one that sticks out of my mind i won't say the brand but i was just like i don't think i can ever eat that again like anything apple flavored is like apple, yeah. apple pie no more yeah <laughs> yeah none of that but uh yeah no it's really interesting like um yeah, because it's good to have different products. Like if we look at, for example, like the exact nutrition, like they have the bars, which are like a great alternative to a gel because like part of like figuring out your sports plan is like what product can you enjoy somewhat like while you're working at a high intensity? Because like obviously you might get sick of it towards the end, but like what can you actually take in mm-hmm. um, so that you're really consistent with your fueling? Because if you start to get like taste fatigue and you're like, oh, I can't take another gel, like this, this texture is awful in my mouth. Like you don't want to use that product over time. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's where like having different products like that is really helpful. Um, and then I've been using, um, like since it would have been like since 2017, like at least for like the marathon stuff when I'm like working at a really high intensity and I want to go above like 60 grams of carbs. Cause if you're lower than 60, you can kind of mix and match and just like figure out what products work for you. Like, but our body can only like digest so much like glucose within that hour so like Mm -hmm. once we basically like saturate our like transporters of glucose in our intestine like we can we have to have like a secondary source if you have like fructose or sucrose like you basically want different types of carbs um just for tolerability so um i use like during races um like the morton products just because they use a hydrogel which like does help with um digestion faster and uh i do find i can get up to above 60 grams of carbs too using that um just in like races and training too. So I find mm-hmm. that really helpful as mm-hmm. well. So, yeah. yeah. But that variety of that, I agree. Like, like you're saying, those exact bars, they got different flavors and stuff like that. Exactly. Which I find, yeah. I find helps. And I was yeah. using like maple syrup at one point, but then I found like digestively, like just in ingesting, it was hard to swallow without water. Right. So mm-hmm. like, it's not always possible to have like, you know, some people have these water, their water bottles set up, but that's not always possible. Like depends where Mm -hmm. you live and if you have a team that you're training with or whatnot. So yeah, I find those I can ingest like while I'm on the run during a workout and that kind of works well. But at the end of the day, you got to find like what works for you and, and practice it. You know, I think like people like stock up for their races, but not necessarily for their training. Um, yeah, but I think the more yeah. you can practice that too, yeah. the better. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, you want to practice and like, I and you want to use like specifically the products you're going to race with. Like, you don't want to like train with something just because you're going to like save a bit of money like come race day because different products cost different money. Like, that's the reality of it. But ideally, you do want to like on those very important sessions where you're trying to get a high carb amount, like for sure use the product you're going to use come race day because then there's no surprises either. Um, with tolerability and then yeah figuring out what fluids like are you going to carry it during the race what's on course available so that you're still um making sure you're hydrating properly but um, first and foremost figuring out what type of product you can tolerate is really important too um i was going to say like uh like we're you're talking about like becoming you know being a professional and uh, and like getting support from you know new balance in your case but like I think we failed to to remember, you know, you're, you're also working, right. Another 
like on top of the professional running, you're also working too. So it's like, is it everything you thought it would be, or is it, you know, it's not all that glamorous unless you're, you know, top in the sport, you know, I think, and it's hard work too, right? Like you can't just, from an outsider's perspective, like there's a lot of work that goes behind it. Yeah. Yeah. You know, you're right. It's, um, yeah, no, some things are hard and you just have to make like sacrifices where it's like, again, back to the sleep part. It's like, yeah, you won't be able to socialize as much if you have like a full-time job and you're trying to do marathon training. Like the reality is that you might get to go out with your friends every once in a while or, you know, do stuff like that. But I think like if, because I enjoy it so much, like it doesn't feel like it just be, has become a way of life. And I just feel better when I'm like training well and eating properly and like resting too. So I found like the work part of it just, uh, and plus, like, I make my own schedule. I think that really helps. Like, if I had to do, like, I was working a job, like, before, like, a kind of a nine to five, like, or maybe even more than that, it was like eight and a half hours, but like, very consistent shifts where I, like, wasn't able to run before. And, like, I mm -hmm. found that didn't work for me. So, like, now I'm able to, like, do my training when I feel best. So, like, that part of it really helps. So, I think that's why I've moved more into, like, the sort of private practice, making your own hours just because like yeah. it does fit better with like an athletic schedule too, to have that. So it's nice to have that flexibility too, as well. Yeah. And what, what do you like to do when you're not running? Um, yeah, like I, well, I work a lot, so there's not like yeah. that much time. Or, or to see my family, yeah, like family yeah. visits and visiting my dad. He lives a couple hours away or like my mom in Toronto. Um, so I try to like see my family and friends. So it's mostly just like social stuff outside of running. Cause that's really um, what I find I have time for, um, not much else. Like I do love like photography. I want to get into that one day, but right now I just haven't had that much time for it, but yeah, I just enjoy doing things outside too. Even if I'm not like going for a hike or like doing stuff like that, I really enjoy just being outside whenever I can. Nice. Um, I do like cross country skiing too. So I'll do that a bit in the winter. Like I love uh, skate skiing. So that's something else I do a little bit of, I want to get more into it this winter, but I used to like do it a lot in high school. So yeah, getting into that yeah. is good. It's good, like cross training for running. I find too, like yeah, maybe not downhill, sure. but I did a bit of that last yeah. year, and I thought it was like quite good. So yeah, that's awesome. That's always fun. Yeah, you got to find those sports. Mm -hmm. Like I used to play hockey a lot more, and I thought you know that was kept me in good shape too. Like just like stabilizer muscles and stuff in mm -hmm. your legs and and whatnot. So, but it's. Mm -hmm. uh, I'm not playing so much anymore, but anyways, yeah. um, what, what's some advice you can give to people like starting out running or jumping up to a next distance? I know you like, you, you know, you were doing short stuff and then came, came to the marathon. So like mm -hmm. maybe some of the lessons that, that you love that you can pass on. Yeah. Yeah. I think when you're going up in distance, like just thinking about like, like almost like how your training set, like whether you're working with a coach or doing your own type of training, um, like building in the nutrition part of it's really important because as you're going up in distances, like if you're doing like what we mentioned, like the more you're burning, the more you're at risk for like low energy availability. So if you're going up in distance, like you want to make sure like, okay, what's my fueling strategy? Am I, you know, increasing it up before workouts, after, during, like just taking, um, like more consideration to that, I think really helps. Cause if I was to look back, like when I went up to the marathon distance, like, yeah, I was starting to use sports products, but I don't think I was fueling enough. So I think that again, led to like the injuries and just being underweight for like what my body type is. So, um, I think having a fueling plan, if you're going to jump up in distances to be like, how am I going to make sure I'm eating more like as I'm mm -hmm. going up? Um, I think that's really important. And then just being careful, you don't overdo it. And then back to like the part around pace, like if you're doing more mileage, like you have to slow down, like you can't, run the same pace if you're increasing your volume too so just being careful around like recovery 
as well. <laughs> right. And it's not just the marathon. Like, we, you know, a lot of people listening are probably doing ultras and stuff like that, mm-hmm. too. So, like, the more you're doing, I did Ironman, like, way back, like, 2016, 2017. Mm-hmm. I found nailing down nutrition for, like, 11, 13 hours or whatever, mm-hmm. like, it is tough, you know? Like, mm-hmm. Cause you're drinking nutrition, you're eating sandwiches. Like you're, it's, it's mm-hmm. like this mix of stuff that you're just trying yeah. to like <laughs> solids and gels. And like, it's, mm-hmm. it's so it becomes increasingly more difficult the, the more you get on. You see that more in ultras too, like with their aid stations mm-hmm. and chips and potatoes mm-hmm. and all this, uh, yeah, <laughs> this other stuff, you know? Um, yeah. And that's for the different products. It's good to have, right? Like, cause we mentioned like having like a fruit bar to eat or a protein bar, like a wafer, like we we're talking about with an exact nutrition. Like, I think that's really great for those longer races because the slower you're running, you're able to like tolerate more digestion and you need a variety. If you're training for more, like if you're racing more than 10 hours, like you can't just have carbs, you need to incorporate real food. So yeah. like, that's where it becomes really helpful to have, like, again, just mix and match and figure out what works. But I think you do like, you want to be really like, calculated to be like how many grams of carbs am i getting am i getting enough fluids like you do still want to like keep that in mind because the longer you're working out for the less like you're going to be there mentally <laughs> so it's like you lose track of like how much have i eaten so that's where a plan is really helpful yeah um, totally. that's why like you said when you did your iron man i'm sure you wrote out what you're gonna do so. and abandoned it because i was like i'm sick of this drink <laughs> you know yeah like i'm just like yeah, my yeah. coach is like, did you did you continue to drink? I'm like, no, I yeah. stopped because I was sick of it, and I I moved to water, but I wasn't getting the calories, you know, like, and it was just mm-hmm. a disaster. Like my stomach shut down. It was a, it was a yeah. Dip. Do you know why that happens? Why stomach shut down? Like, because I remember like- that. Like- well, I have read, like, it was one paper, and I put it in a handout that was called, like, Gut Health for Athletes, and I think it put, like, 92% of ultra-endurance runners have gut issues. <laughs> like, that was, like, a, I think it just has to do with, like, the intensity, like, the duration, Um, yeah. probably, like, yeah, the gut tolerance of, like, how much you can actually digest. Like, I think all those things, um, hydration, like, if you're not, like, having enough fluids, that can also impact your body's ability to absorb the carbs. Yeah. So, all those factors, for sure. Um, and, 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 like, and... And and also like how do you troubleshoot that? Because like that was honestly the worst like experience. I mean, yeah, muscle cramps and stuff in marathons mm-hmm. or whatever. But like that yeah. was the worst like helplessness that I felt in a race. I guess I could mm-hmm. say like I wanted mm-hmm. to keep going, but I just I was my mind was just like, how do I solve for this? Like, do I want to go to the bathroom? Do I want to you know throw up? I don't you know mm-hmm. these are all the feelings. But I know I also need to ingest, but I couldn't. Like, is there oh, a way to troubleshoot, you, to troubleshoot? Yeah. Like, um, was it just more of like, uh, like vomit or just, you weren't able to tolerate anything. Like you just felt so sick. Like you yeah. couldn't take in couldn't take it products. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, I guess the way to look at it is to, um, I guess I'd look back to like, it's hard because the long distances, you don't have that much opportunity to like train at that amount of time. Right. To be like, Oh, like, like, did you do any training efforts that were that long? Like, cause really comes down to practicing and like training your gut to tolerate for a certain amount of time. Yeah. So I guess you could look back and like, I guess that's where the over, I guess you'd call it like overcompensating for carbs. Like say you had longer sessions, you went even higher than what you'd taken in races. Like that'd be my suggestion is just like go over on the training runs you can, mm-hmm. um, on your longest like events. Cause I think it just takes like a lot of gut training to be able to tolerate amounts. And then I would yeah. look at like the types of carbs you're having too and just making sure it's a lot of different sources so okay again like glucose fructose sucrose like just different types of carbs for digestion too okay and i would look at too like just to make sure you weren't getting like too much fiber because that could like slow down digestion just cause issues too so like just depending on what things you're eating um and then you could also like 
hydration stuff's hard, but you can like track it over time to see like, okay, how much do you need per hour? What's your sweat rate? Like what's the temperature of the race to figure out like how much to drink too? Cause some of it can be like dehydration too. If your stomach was really like shutting down and just like, nope, I'm not, <laughs> not taking anymore. It's like, what do but, I do? Yeah. Coke and ice. And, I mean, I'm just yeah. like taking advice on the course at that point along. Yeah. <laughs> to try to get through Horrible. it. Yeah. Single most like difficult yeah. like nutrition battle i ever had but... well it's hard those events are the hardest right because you're going for so long like you're asking yeah. so much of your body and it's like you don't really have very many opportunities to practice that versus the marathon or shorter stuff it's like yeah you can go out and do a 35k run and practice your race day nutrition but mm-hmm. the longer you get the less opportunities you have so yeah i think it was that like, can be part to do in, with it it, yeah. it was like an hour like seven you know like or eight or yeah. something like it's it's impossible to get that training um yeah what message would you share to anybody? Like what message would you like to share through running? Like you're still doing it. You love it. Like, why do you think it's so great? And you know, what message yeah. could you pass on to others? Yeah. I think like, just like even having the discussion around like being injured for a number of years and being like those, you know, the worst years when you like can't run consistently. Like I think always like having that, like, gratitude for like enjoying like the process of training and like being healthy enough to run. Cause not everyone's lucky to be able to exercise or like, kind of get those feelings that we get as athletes where it's like the harder you're working, like the better you feel after. And that's like a rush that you can't like kind of get in any other areas of life. So it's like, I just feel really lucky to be able to still do that. So as long as I keep that in mind, that keeps me like focused on days I might not want to get out the door or just have lower motivation. So I think like just understanding, like it is really a privilege to be able to do this sport and like have the opportunity because not everyone gets to and, or stay healthy or be able to like stay in it for a long period of time. So mm-hmm. I think that helps ground me and just is probably why I'm able to like do it for so long. And, and that wasn't always the case. Like it was definitely harder on myself before and like very like just time focused. Like I have to like set PBs, make teams. Like, whereas now I'm like, Oh, I just enjoy the running community. I enjoy the social aspect. Like I think the older you get, the more you learn, like, no, it's not just about like setting a PB. It's like, what examples are you showing? What, how are you motivating others? Like, what are you doing for the community as a whole? So um, I think that helps keep me in it too. For sure. Yeah, we soften as we as we age. So <laughs> yeah, yeah, you start to get more sentimental, and you're like, ah, I'm gonna be less hard on myself now. Like, accomplishments are great, but like, what you know, <laughs> am I enjoying doing this every single day? And like, how can I like help other people? So I think that's really important. Um, and is there someone yeah. you is there someone you look up to in the sport? Like, it's maybe showing you how to how to do it um over the years like just seeing other like I think you always kind of relate to like I guess your own gender like in in the marathon runners so any like elite marathon runners like for sure I'm like anyone who's like leading the way and just like showing a good example like I think is awesome so a lot of our top you know Canadian marathon runners like that's great to they're definitely very motivating for me um and especially like Melindy like just with like her story and she used to do like triathlon and just like how like she you know her and Natasha just like crushing the times like I think they're both awesome like examples yeah. to look up to and she balances a lot too so yeah for sure. how, how much do you get to interact with these with these other athletes like is it just you know are they peers and you're and you're all friends or like because you live in different places it's difficult or like is that a, is that a thing or yeah, I think it races. It's great because then you get to see each other, and like that's always awesome. And like, and most like runners are so friendly, so it's like you get to catch up and and see each other. But yeah, everyone just lives so far apart, so it's like hard with like, yeah. yeah, staying in touch with people. But it is nice even after races, like just because we're so connected over like social media, like sending a quick note to people or being like congrats or again as, as silly as it was Strava, like giving someone kudos on their race or their <laughs> workouts, like it does help. All that stuff, like 
all those yeah. little things like I think help you. So yeah, um, as long as it's positive and you're like not being too hard on yourself. So. Right. <laughs> yeah. And, and what are you, what's next for you? What's what are what are you lining up for 2024? What are you excited about? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, you came off a good result. You know, you got this 10k um, coming up. So yeah, what are you what are you eyeing? Yeah, I want to try to find um, if I can like some type of faster spring marathon. I haven't figured that out yet. I need to like basically reach out to more people and just figure it out it's so hard because like as a marathon runner you don't like at my speed it's like I don't have an agent or someone to like do it for me like (laughs) I could get Joe like my coach and fiance to do it but I feel bad he's got enough full-time job but um so I'll just have to like spend some time reaching out to people but um I I always love supporting local stuff I just find it really hard to find like something local especially like in April so I'll do around the bay so I signed up for that one and then um Yeah, I'm not sure what I'll do, but I'd like to do something April or May. Like, timing-wise, I want to do something before it gets too hot. But um, there's always Ottawa, yeah. right? I know you've you've been there. Yeah, before. yeah, I've done that one twice for sure. So that could be an option too. And it would be nice, like, yeah, just to do more Canadian races. I felt like I did a lot of U.S. ones just because the like, timing-wise they worked well. But um, it would be nice to support more Canadian races. Yeah. And and have you been with? Sorry, I'm gonna ask you this, but like, okay. you mentioned your coach. Have you been with your coach for a long time? And what you know, what makes a good athlete? coach relationship yeah for sure um I met Joe would have been uh like three over three years ago so um and then he started helping me with coaching I was kind of coaching myself for a little bit and um but yeah he's um he's been kind of building a community here so he calls it chapel racing and we're just building up like a group of runners which is fun like again I love it because like people meet each other and then they start like adding each other on Strava and like supporting each other from like all different types of like distances and abilities. So yeah. um, that's been really great. Cause we live in like a really small town. So it's like, there's not that many runners here. So um, the ones we do have, it's a great community. So um, yeah, so he's been helping me with that. And um, I do a lot of stuff like deciding my mileage, but he helps me out with workouts and we just like work well together on that. Just cause I have such a base of like how much training I've done over the years, but for sure, I need someone to like give me workouts and like tell me when I'm being dumb and when I want to like overtrain. <laughs> like that's like <laughs> like the biggest thing. Like always being ah, that's like way too much. Like no, Ambitious. you don't need that much volume. Yeah, because <laughs> I'm always trying to like okay, how do we like go up? And that's not always the best. Yeah. Um, and it's really helpful to have him for like even just like down weeks or being like your taper volume. Like I would always do way too much, but I'm like I need to run less like to actually rest. So. Um, I think that's been really helpful. So yeah, we've been working well together, just like kind of learning as we go. Like I think each build, we learn different stuff. Like we kind of reflect and be like, okay, what was good? What can we work on next time? So mm-hmm. again, back to the um, weight room stuff, speed. Those are my next <laughs> challenges. I find it harder as I get older too. I'm like, I have less like leg speed now than I did. So. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, I mean, you know, we got to meet ourselves where we're at too. Like as we get older, mm-hmm. you know, like we don't, you know, yeah. there's all, it just, it just, you know, physiology, I guess. And yeah, you sure. just got to work harder to get there. Maybe, you know, mm-hmm. um, yeah. get more specific, more, more grain, like more into it and focused. And, and yeah, where yeah. can people find out more about you and like, and your, the services that you offer if, if anybody's interested? Yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, I still need a website, but I have um, like my Instagram page, so it's just Rachel Hanardy, and then um, I have like my booking link there for my nutrition services. So okay. that's kind of the main thing I do. But then I obviously work with the university athletes too. Um, but yeah, probably through Instagram is the best, or just my email. So which is uh, Rachel Hanardy at gmail dot com. So Very cool. I'll get a website. I just have to get organized. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I haven't so, done that yet. But I find social media it's such like an easy way to reach out to people. Yeah, so it's like. Yeah, yeah. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, it works. You know, it's it's uh, yeah. instant, right? And 
you know, yeah. your, your messages pop up and stuff, which I'm sure you probably get a lot of different messages, but you know, it is what it is. And you know, it's, uh, you know, websites are good too, but you mm-hmm. know, it's more instant access. So anyways, hopefully yeah. a few people learn some stuff from this chat and maybe they'll reach out to you and, and require some services, but I really appreciate your time today. I, thanks for sharing all all that you have, you know, about your career and, and also like about nutrition and what's worked for you. And I, I wish you all the best for 2024. Yeah, thank you. Yeah, it's so nice to be able to like reflect and just share with people. Like, I appreciate you having me on the podcast. And if anyone has questions about what I rambled on about, so <laughs> I talk kind of fast. So hopefully, you can like decipher no. what I was saying. But uh, yeah, no, I'm happy to share it. And again, it's like such a process to learn. And I think like it's great to be able to have like people like yourself who share this with other athletes and just give us voices too, so that people can learn from each other. Because like, there's no like one size fits all approach for training. So it's nice to be able to learn from each other. Yeah. But, 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 but run slower, just run slower. <laughs> yeah, just go slower on your easy days. That's my advice. Yeah. Enjoy it. Yeah. Let's end it there. Yeah, <laughs> yeah run slower on your easy days. <laughs> Thanks, Rachel. It's been a real pleasure yeah. to have on. Thank you so much. Yeah, no problem. Awesome. Thanks. Thanks for tuning in to the Just In Stride podcast. I truly appreciate you taking the time to listen and I hope you enjoyed that conversation as much as I did. Please take a minute after this to rate and review our show on Apple Podcasts. With your feedback, we'll be able to make the show even better and it'll help us reach new listeners too. You can also find us on Instagram at Just In Stride Pod for all the latest episodes and updates. Of course, this show wouldn't be possible without a solid team behind me with logo and design by Vanessa Pugliese, as well as audio, music, and editing by Forrest McKay. A huge thank you goes out to both of them. Guest outreach, social media, writing, and advertising are handled by me, your host, Justin Pugliese. Finally, we'd like to thank you, our listeners, for coming along for the ride with Justin Stride.